Well, praise the Lord. I want you, if you have your Bible, open it with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, the first chapter. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible says in the New Living Translation, the Son, capital T, capital S, so it's talking about Jesus, the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. I want to focus on the first part of that verse. The Son, everybody say Jesus, Jesus, radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. So the Bible teaches in Hebrews 1.3 that when you look at the life of Jesus, which is primarily Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's in the first little bit of Acts, comes back in Revelation, but the life and ministry of Jesus is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they call the Gospels. The Bible says when you see that, you see the will of the will of God the Father manifest. I alluded to it last night that Jesus said himself, I only do what I see my Father do, and I only say what I hear my Father say. And then the Bible says in the Old Testament, God the Father said, I am the Lord God, I change not. The New Testament equivalent, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So anytime you go to church and you hear people start talking about God used to heal or God, you know, God made Solomon rich, but God doesn't really like that anymore. Anytime people allude that God has changed, they're lying. And, and they might not be lying intentionally, but it's, it, it, see, you have a responsibility when you're a preacher. You can't mess up. You are supposed to disseminate the word of God to people. So if you're a regular Christian and you're ignorant about the Bible, then you only hurt you. But if you get up with a microphone and tell 200 people God likes you to be sick, then there's a problem. One time I was preaching in uh, Massachusetts, and on Tuesday night, I, I can't remember what I was preaching on, but it wasn't what came out of my mouth. All of a sudden, I just blurted out. I said, what kind of idiot stands up at a child's funeral and says that God needed another rose for his garden, so he took your child? And uh, the crowd all looked at me, I mean, I got, you guys are a happy bunch, but... They looked at me like, what's this guy's problem? We weren't at a child's funeral. What are you talking about? Because I was preaching on something totally different. I, and then I went into the whole doctrine of it, that Jesus, T.L. Osborne called it the gospel in one verse. John 10, 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So anything that steals from you, anything that kills or anything that destroys, you know it comes from who? The devil. But I have come that you might have and have it more abundantly. So again, getting back to Hebrews 1.3, if, if, if the ministry of Christ expresses God's will, it's God's will in flesh, then you can't make the case that God wants to kill kids unless you can find me a scripture where Jesus found a couple of healthy kids running around at recess time and then laid his hands on them and killed them both. You're not going to find that in the Bible. Jesus didn't kill healthy people. He made, he made uh, 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 healthy people, or he made sick people healthy. Can you say amen? amen? And I won't take a show of hands, but over the last 18 months, you saw how 
extremely stupid many people are. You know, one thing you learn is just because you have a microphone and a suit doesn't mean you're smart. That tricks a lot of people, which is why I wear one, but doesn't necessarily mean you're intelligent because you, you had people the last 18 months say, what's God trying to teach us through COVID? God doesn't teach through sickness and disease. He teaches by his word. And, and you're not going to see again, getting back to Hebrews 1.3. You ever see Jesus tell anybody, no, I'm not going to heal you. I'm going to keep this sickness on you for a while because it'll help test your faith and make you a stronger believer? No, you're not going to see that anywhere in the Bible. He removes sickness and disease. Acts 10.38 uh, uh, sums up the life and ministry of Christ in one verse. Acts 10.38. And no doubt you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing? Good. What did he go about doing? Good. So then if bad things happen, is it Christ doing it? No. He went about doing good and healing how many? All. Who were oppressed by who? Yes. For God was with them. So Satan is the oppressor, Jesus is the healer. Amen. Can you say a better amen? amen? Because if the devil has his way, he likes slapping you in the head and then getting you to think it's God that did it. So all of a sudden, this rose up in my spirit in Massachusetts, and I start saying, uh, what, what idiot would say that at a child's funeral? And then I, I taught for probably the next 35 minutes on how Jesus is a healer. God's a life giver. Death comes from the devil. So after the service, I go to the back room, and an usher comes and says, there's a lady that wants to, to, to come see you. Do you mind if I let her back? I said, yeah, sure, let her back. So she comes up and hugs me, crying. She said, did you know that I lost a son that was nine years old? And at the funeral, the preacher said exactly, she said, I don't go to church. But we had a minister do the funeral, and he said word for word what you said. And she said, after my son died, I hated God. Because when I heard him say that God wanted another rose for his garden, so he took my son, I don't want anything to do with God. Well, that's, that, that, that's how the devil works. You know, how many people have gone through a hard thing in life and they say, why would God do that? Or you hear people on television like The View or CNN or if they're interviewing a preacher, they say, well, if God's a God of love, why does, why does he allow uh, people to starve to death? Or there's basically this, this mindset. I mean, you're in Florida with hurricanes. They have it in your insurance policy that covers acts of God, as if every September God wakes up on the wrong side of the bed and just starts knocking trailers and condos over all, all over Florida. But you're not going to see that in the Bible. God's not a destroyer. God's a builder. Can you say amen? amen. I remember a, a, a pastor from Texas told the story that he was in a meeting with the Assemblies of God preacher. He was in an Assemblies of God meeting, and a guy told how his church had been destroyed in a storm. And he said, I'm not sure whether, why God did that. And he said, I was sitting there thinking, God's not destroying churches. God's looking to build churches. Amen. So pe people, if the devil can get you to think that everything that happens in life is from God and we don't understand his will and we don't, we don't know why things happen, then you're going to have a similar relationship with God that you have with the IRS which is I'm not sure whether they want to send me a refund or whether they want to audit me, but I'm not taking any chances, so I'm going to do whatever I need to do to keep them happy and then stay out of their way. And that's what people do with God. Come to church, all right, they wants me to come to church, give a little in the offering, and then are we cool? All right, leave me alone. But if you understand that God is a good God, 
and he has a good will for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to and never to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a glorious future. And God doesn't change his mind. God's not a hypocrite. He told us that we're not to change our mind. That a double-minded man, James chapter 1, a double-minded man is unstable as the waves of the sea. Let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. James 1, 5 through 8. So if God commanded us to not be double-minded, obviously he's not a double-minded God. The Bible says so in the same passage. It says every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variance. Everybody say no variance. What does that mean? It means he doesn't change. He's not happy today and then he's going to be angry tomorrow. He's the same. He has joy. He's not up in heaven hoping he can figure out something about COVID. He's, he's not up in heaven and when COVID got out of the lab in Wuhan, he said, oh no, what are we going to do now? You know, I, I only had the blood of my son cover all the diseases except for, for, for COVID. No, the Bible actually says in Deuteronomy 28, 58 to 61 that every sickness and disease there is, even those not mentioned in this book of the law, are part of the curse. And Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law. I'm glad my God's not confused. Can you say amen? And I'm, I'm glad he's an awesome God. And so, and so that lady said, that minister said that, and I, and I hated God. And she said, I was going through a very hard time and thinking of ending my life, which you can't blame her, having her, 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 her child die. And then, you know, that, and then you got some minister come at the funeral and tell her, God did it to her. What's the point of living? God hates you that much. You're fighting an uphill battle. And she said, I was driving down Ashby State Road there in Fitchburg, and she said, God, if you're real and you love me, I need to hear from you. And she said, I heard in me. You know, not a Christian. Immediately when I said it, the Lord pointed out to me a church, which was the church I was going to be speaking at, and said, go there on Tuesday. She comes in late, and as soon as she came in and sat down, I don't know her, but the Holy Ghost knows her. And all of a sudden it comes out of my spirit. The second she sat down, what kind of idiot stands up at a child's funeral? Well, that lets you know how the Holy Ghost feels about that preacher. Amen. Because I don't know that guy. Wouldn't know him if he walked in the room. But the Holy Ghost, God's angry. God doesn't like that. God does not like when people misrepresent him that, that, that he hates you. He's the God that sent his only son to be beaten and nailed to a cross that instead of dying, you might have life. Can you say amen? God's not, God's not cursing people. God's lifting the curse off of people. And so today, I want to deal with one aspect of that curse that Christ came to lift. The Bible says, for this reason was the Son of God made manifest, that he might destroy what people? No, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so there, there is a devil. I quoted it already, John 10.10. 10. The thief cometh not, but he does come, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If you've ever been in life and it felt like, man, I'm doing everything I know to do, and it's like there, there's some kind of invisible barrier. It's like, like, like there's something attacking me, and I can't get free from it. There is. There's a devil who goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Christ came to destroy his work, and then Christ came to give you power to stay in victory over him. The devil's not over your head. If you're in Christ, the devil's under your feet. 
You don't have to get hurt and then come to church and get healed. You can get healed and you can stay in victory all the days of your life. I'm only here t- today and tomorrow, uh, tonight, and that's what I, I want to get to you, that whatever you've gone through, you could have been going through something that, that ravaged you for 15 years, 17 years, 21 years. God doesn't need three years to get you out or another 10 to get you out. He created the whole world in six days. He'll never need more than five minutes to sort out an ordinary person. No matter what the devil's done to you, you're only one prayer away from the power power of God coming down, picking you up out of a pit, and setting your feet on the rock to stay. And I've got my faith set that whatever's gone wrong before today, you're going to walk out those double doors and go have lunch smiling like a butcher's dog, saying the Lord has done great things. If you believe that with me, take 15 seconds, clap your hands one more time, and give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Well, if, if Christ, and that lady told me in the back room, she said, when you said that, I realized it was the devil that, that, that worked through sickness and disease to take my son. And she said, I gave my life to the Lord at the altar. She said, I'm going back to the support group for other mothers that have lost a child. I'm going to tell them that, that Jesus will mend your broken heart. See, that's what the word does. The word changes you from a victim to somebody that not only has victory over your problem, but somebody that carries enough of an overflow of victory that you can go back and help other people that were hurt by the same thing as you. Can you say amen? Amen. You're going to have the best four and a half months that you've ever had in your life. From now to December 31st, this is the time that the church arises and steps into its blessing. Well, what do you you see Jesus doing? Turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew, the eighth chapter, verse one. And then if you weren't here last night, I announced that tonight I'm going to lay hands on everybody uh, in the building. Even if you don't want prayer, we're going to put you in plastic restraints and pray for you. (laughs) Matthew eight, verse one. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy, everybody say leprosy, leprosy, approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, If you're willing, I know you can heal me and make me clean. This is an important scripture because this man, if he he said to Jesus, I know if you're willing, you can heal me. Well, what does that let you know? He knew God had power, but he didn't know whether God would do it for him. Whether you're in this church or whether we talk to people outside in Apopka or Orlando, that's where most people are at. Even people that aren't in church today, You know, especially in Florida, if you walk down the street and said, do you believe there's an all-powerful God? Yes, I do. Then because he's all-powerful, do you believe that your pancreas that's not working right anymore and has your blood sugar all jacked up, do you believe he'll give you a new pancreas when I pray? Well, uh, you know, some things are left to him. We don't know. See, and that's where people get tripped up. The devil doesn't mind if you believe there's an all-powerful God as long as you can separate it from the second aspect of God which is God is love. So if you combine those two things, the Bible says in Romans that if he spared not his only son, how much more? Everybody say, how much more? more. Will he give us all these other things to richly enjoy? You know, you've outgrown your little apartment and you're believing for a condo? You think God's up in heaven going, hey, take it easy. No. (laughs) 
He sent his son. He had his son crucified for you. So if he gave his son, you think he cares about a... a, a there's nothing you could ask him that barely gets his attention. God's not up in heaven going, listen, I know you've outgrown your apartment, but for some reason I paved these streets with gold, which has put me in massive debt. No. He's all-powerful, and he, and he loves you. Everybody say, he loves me. Now, when you understand that, your faith starts working right because you realize there's actually nothing going on on planet Earth that God cares about more than me. What about, you have the nerve to pray for that with what's going on in Afghanistan? Whether I pray or don't pray, Afghanistan's going on. And God's not up in heaven. You know, God, God's not a human. He's not up in heaven going, listen, I have major problems in the Middle East right now. So if you could just let me get, get you know, like, like, like he's talking to you, like some of our moms talk to us. Just give me 10 minutes. I've been going all day. No. Smith Wigglesworth said there's something about faith that will cause God to pass over one million people just to get to you. I was in the DMV February, uh, I was going to say before COVID hit, but COVID had already hit in the fall. Nobody knew it, though. COVID-19, not COVID-20. That started hitting in September. So uh, I'm in the DMV, get my driver's license renewed, and I'm sitting there and it get, just getting irritated at how disorganized it is. I was thinking if the people that ran the Chick-fil-A drive-thru in charge of this, I'd have been out of here in three minutes. I don't know what kind of Christian. I know they hire Christians at Chick-fil-A. They're like a special breed of Christians. Hello, welcome to Chick-fil-A. Like, it's 103 out. Aren't you hot? Not really. I don't really feel it. I've gotten used to it. All right, I'm a Christian, and you're creeping me out. So I'm sitting there, and then an hour goes by, two hours go by. And finally, I had to cancel a morning appointment, and then I'm getting ready. I'm going to have to cancel my afternoon appointment, and it ticked me off. So that's what happens. A lot of times people wait till they're, that's why it's good sometimes to get irritated. Like your pastor that stayed stayed open last last year, it brought the best out of him because he was getting pushed. When you relax and turn your faith off, it's bad. And, and when you let yourself get pushed and turn your faith on, look at that woman. She's at her wit's end, ready to kill herself. God, if you're real and you love me, I need to hear from you. Oh, no problem. Go there. So so God's not up in heaven deciding what He's going to give you. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Faith doesn't wait for things to happen. Faith reaches out and takes what belongs to it. Yeah, the woman with the issue of blood would have bled out and died and never got better. She didn't say, when's Jesus coming to my town? Or, think of it. She heard about Jesus. She could have said, well, if he's really a son of God, I never come here and hear me. No. She went to where Jesus was and said, I know. Everybody say, I know. If I can but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She went to where he was, pressed through the crowd, and grabbed the hem of his garment. And when she did, healing power flowed into her. And Jesus didn't know who touched him. Well, I know in God's time. No, it wasn't God's time. Jesus was, had no plans to ever heal that woman. She came and took it by faith. I know when I touch him, I will be made whole. And immediately, everybody say immediately. immediately. The word immediately is used 55 times in the King James Bible. All of them in the New Testament. 
most of them in the life healing deliverance ministry of Jesus and the apostles. I mean, we want things right now, but sometimes God. No, that's actually not in the Bible. You're not going to read anybody come to Jesus for healing and him tell them come back tomorrow. There's no one that came to Christ for healing. 1-3. The life of Christ represents the will of God exactly. So if people say, well, I mean, no, we want things now, but sometimes God. Show me in the Bible where Christ told someone to wait till tomorrow. In fact, in the book of Proverbs chapter 3, God wrote the Bible, you know. He said, if it's in your power, if your neighbor comes to you for help, and it's in your power to help them, don't tell them to come back tomorrow. Help them win. Is God a hypocrite? So if he told us, when it's in your power to help someone, don't tell them to come back tomorrow, help them now, then if you come to him for help, and it's in his power to help you, which it always is, will he tell you, wait till tomorrow? No. When has anybody ever come to the altar? I've been preaching for 20 years. The Lord said, listen, send those three people back. I'm going to save them next week. No, the Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. You actually can't turn your faith loose for tomorrow. You have to loose your faith today. All the devil has to do to get a sinner to go to hell is get him to put off getting saved one more week. All the devil has to do to keep people sick is say, sometime I know God will touch me. But why make it sometime? You got up and got showered and brushed your teeth, giving you the benefit of the doubt, and you're here in church? Why not just make up your mind, this is the day the Lord has made, and the Lord's going to give me reason to rejoice and be glad in it. If you believe that with me, shout a living amen. amen. I know if you want to, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus responded, I'm willing or I want to. And when Jesus answered that leper, he answered anyone that ever has a question about whether he'll help them. Because Acts 10.34 says, God is no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for anyone. I said, what he does for one, he'll do for anyone. God actually doesn't care if you're, and everybody's hung up on it now. God doesn't care if you're female or male. God doesn't care if you're black or white or yellow or purple, plaid or striped. God cares about faith. God sees the color of faith. Can you say amen? There's a guy that went to a church I attended who has a pretty powerful testimony. In fact, I introduced him to Pastor Rodney, and Pastor Rodney helped him write his, his testimony as a book because when Pastor Rodney heard it, it's pretty powerful. He was a hobo, which I didn't even know those were real things. I thought they were just in cartoons. But he left his wife and kids and for 40 years lived as just an abusive alcoholic, got his money by waiting for people to come out of the bars drunk. He'd knife them, take their money. I guess they have a route that hobos run where you take the train and you go up north in the summer and down south in the winter. Did that for 40 years. His wife assumed he was dead. Well, between all the drinking and, you know, living filthy, he ends up just full of disease. So the hospital sends him to hospice to die. And he, he's a, a, a committed alcoholic. I, I mean, he's, as, he, he's beyond drunkard, beyond alcohol. Just, just him and alcohol are one, just drinking morning till night. So they send him to um, hospice, which once they do that, that means they've given up treatment and there's no way to treat you. They're just going to help you die with dignity and, you know, make you comfortable. He's my height. 
He weighed 90 pounds. Now you look at, you look at me, I weigh one, uh, well, I haven't been on a scale, I don't have a scale with me on this trip. I'm probably about 176, and by the end of the day, I plan on being about 179. Praise <laughs> the Lord. So uh, you, picture, you picture me 80 pounds later. He's, you talk, like skin and bone, hospice ready to die. Well, he sneaks out to the bar out of hospice. Gets drunk, comes back to hospice drunk, cursing and stuff, and he gets kicked out of hospice. I've never heard of that in my life. <laughs> so they, they kick him out of hospice, out onto the street, 6'1", 90 pounds, drunk. And he's now going to die on the street. And he said, I prayed a prayer. Listen to the prayer. This is how he really talks. He talks like a pirate. He said, his name's Floyd. Hey, boss. That's what he called God. Hey, boss. Goes out on the street. Hey, boss. I know me and you don't rap much. That'll let you know how old he is, that he says rap for talk. Not hip-hop, like that's talk. He's using like Three Stooges language. Hey, boss. I know you and me don't rap much. But if you could help me out, I'd really appreciate it. What kind of prayer is that? I'll tell you what kind of prayer it is. Faith. Yeah. Number one, boss, is humility. He didn't, he didn't go on the street. He really, hey, boss, that's recognizing he, you're, he's higher than you. I know we don't talk much, but if you could help me out, I'd really appreciate it. Well, you know, God's probably from, like, around New York City because he doesn't mind if you just cut to the point. You don't have to give him a long Louisiana story. You can just... Coffee, cream, sugar. And he said, the second he said that, he heard a voice say, go to that church across the street on Wednesday. And he said, and I'll help you. So on the Wednesday, he said, first of all, when, when he heard that voice say that, it made him happy because he knew he'd be alive on Wednesday. <laughs> Number two, he goes there, gets saved. Then as he gets saved, his body start, and starts living clean. His body starts to amend. Well, he's in prayer and fasting services with us one um, January. We do the 21 days of prayer and fasting every January. And I didn't know this, but he had had one lung surgically taken out. And now he had, he's in his 70s. And he had pneumonia in his other lung, and it was filling with fluid. Well, that's not good. Well, I didn't know that, but I was preaching, and I felt the presence of God come on me, and he was sitting with his hands lifted. And I felt to go over to him as I was preaching. And I don't normally do this, but I, I bent down and put my arms around him. And I prayed in tongues for a little while, and he was crying. The presence of God was on him. And uh, I went back to preaching. The next Sunday, his pastor walked up to him and has never done this before in his ministry or after, but felt the Lord speak to him to do it. You know, there's nine gifts of the Spirit. One of them is called the working of miracles. There's no gift called the waiting for miracles. There's a gift called the working of miracles. And if you read it in the Bible, it's an action that God gives a man to do that performs a miracle. Now, I'm not doing a Bible college class. But the difference between healing and miracles is healing repairs what's been damaged. So if you have kidneys and you ended up with kidney disease and it shut your kidneys down, your kidneys need healed. But if you were born with no kidneys or kidneys that never worked, 
Your kidneys don't need healed. They need replaced. So healing are like my dad. My dad prayed for a girl. I was wondering who the idiot was that was standing up distracting me, and it's me in the mirror. I was about to throw myself out of the service. Sir, get out of here. I'm not going to tell you again. You cast the devil at him. So my, my dad prayed for this girl in Vermont. She was deaf in her ear because she had gotten attacked by a pit bull, and the pit bull punctured her eardrum. Well, she needed her eardrum healed, and God healed it and restored her hearing. But if somebody's born without an eardrum or an auditory nerve, I prayed for a lady named uh, Rosalie in Hawaii. She came in, and she had a brain tumor, and she came up for prayer, and when I prayed for her, the power of God hit her, and I knew it drove the cancer out. But I don't travel around with an MRI machine, so there was no way to test it. It wasn't like a visible tumor, and you could tell it went away. It was in her skull. So I was wondering how we could tell that the cancer was gone. And as I thought about it, the Lord spoke to me and gave me an instruction. So I said, ma'am, when she got up off the floor, I said, are you deaf in your right ear? She said, actually, when they treated the tumor with radiation, it killed my auditory nerve. Well, you got a dead nerve. Dead nerves don't come back to life. I said, as a sign that the cancer is gone, God's going to open your right ear too. And she shook her head, yes, like that was a good agreement. And I put my finger in her ear, which I hadn't really done much, but Jesus did that to pray for the deaf. And then I'd seen my uncle do that when he prayed for the deaf. It was a working of miracles. That's why Jesus made, made mud and smeared it on the man's eye, spit in someone else's eye. Moses had to stretch his rod forward. Elijah laid on the boy. Miracles are work. If you watch those old videos from the 50s and the 40s when guys would pray for people, that were crippled. A lot of times, they'd get them up and start rubbing their, their leg. But you want to do that when they're crippled. My Uncle Ted's a, um, a healing minister. And one time, he, he went up to a lady in church in the prayer line. Said, what would you like prayer for? She said, my knees. So he got down and started rubbing her knees, working on miracles. Father put new cartilage in these knees in Jesus' name. And she went, my niece. <laughs> he said, I'll be right back up. Poor lady's like, who's this creep preacher? Could I have prayer for my sister's daughter? Sure. <laughs> so I put my finger in, in Rosalie's ear. I said, Father, give this woman, this is how you pray for miracles. Recreate this woman's auditory nerve and eardrum in Jesus' name. And as I started praying, she winced. So I thought maybe I got too excited and jammed my finger in too far because she was going like this. I said, oh, I'm sorry. Did I hurt you? She said, no, I can hear out of the ear with your finger in it now. Amen. And we took it out. And I'll tell you that we had 100 and I think we had 80 people that night. The next night we had 120 some in a town of 1,200 on the east side of Maui. Everyone's related. So when they heard that the cancer came out of her body and her ear opened up, everybody started coming to the meeting. The mayor of the town, his name is Stanley Okoye, he's an original Hawaiian, he speaks Hawaiian. He called me in to the mayor's office, and when I went in wondering what he wanted, whether he was upset and didn't want me there anymore, he, as soon as he shut the door, he went like this. 
lifted both his hands. He's 70 years old and said, please lay your hands on me and pray for me. And I did. And then he said, promise me that you'll come back here at least once a year, every year that I'm the mayor. And I kept that deal for about 12, 12 or 15 years. And we have two churches there now by one miracle. Jesus is a miracle working God. See, so whatever is wrong, so I'm telling you that. Everybody say miracles recreate. So my, that pastor goes up to him in the middle of the service, old guy, and slaps him in the chest. And I don't mean like, I don't mean a religious slap. He held, he held off and hit him in the chest. You know, you can go to jail for that, especially with video cameras and everything. I miss the old days where nothing was recorded. Then it was your word against theirs, and you're a reverend. Your Honor, I'm a minister. I would never do something like that. <laughs> so he slaps him in the chest and keeps preaching. Well, Floyd got the answer to his prayer because, A, the pneumonia started to subside, but, B, he got a call that he could get a lung transplant, which is a miracle when you're in your 70s and you're not a rock star or a movie star because you're at the bottom of the list. So they said, we have a lung for you. Oh, praise the Lord. So he goes in to get the lung transplant, and they ran tests on him from 8 in the morning till 5 p.m. And at 5 p.m., after running four tests, the doctor said, where do you want us to put the lung? Floyd was thinking, you know, I'm not a doctor, but this... It, <laughs> it, it's funny to hear him say it in his voice, because where do you want us to put the new lung? He went, where you took the old one out? You know, I'm not a doctor, but there should be a lung-shaped space on the one side of my chest. Just put it right there. They said, we know. And they flipped it around, and I had him share this on my YouTube because before he goes to heaven, I wanted to get, get it on video. That a lung had formed in that cavity, and the Lord not only healed his pneumonia, he gave him a brand new lung. So I'm telling you, if there's something in your body that needs healed, God will heal it. But if there's something that's been damaged so much that it can't be healed, it's past the point of being healed, God will replace it. He is the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. And whatever has happened to you negatively in life, God's not the author of it. Not only is he not the author of it, if you'll call on him, he said in Jeremiah 33, 3, call on me, not I might answer you. Call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. If you can testify this morning that God keeps his word and that God's able to do mighty, mighty things, let him hear your resounding hand clap one more time in the sanctuary. Come on, make a joyful noise. Say it out loud. My, my, my case isn't finished. When Floyd shared that testimony, I thought, man, you talk about somebody that's finished. The devil probably forgot about him. I already got that guy. He's going to hell. Don't even have to worry about him. And when he made up his mind, see, it's about when you make up your mind. I'm not putting up with this anymore. My father's been preaching for 45 years. He'd say, you're ne you never get delivered from a sin you're not disgusted with. So you hear people come up for prayer. You know, I have... Um, I have this, and I just, if you could. They're not looking for deliverance. They're not looking for healing. They're looking for comfort. 
But Jesus didn't pray comfort prayers. Jesus didn't kneel down next to the leper and put his arm around him and say, though you lose your fingers here on earth, one day you'll go to heaven and you'll have all your fingers back. See, religion always puts things to heaven. Religion teaches you to cope with your problem. But Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives. Everybody say deliverance to the captives. The Holy Ghost never anoints someone to teach comfort to captives. That's what religion does. It'll make you comfortable as an alcoholic, comfortable as a drug. Well, God understands, and every day's a battle. But Jesus came to deliver the captives of the devil. I don't know what it is that Satan's used to bring you into captivity and mess with your family. But I want you to know that's why I'm here this morning. I'm here to pray the prayer of faith and see the Lord deliver you out of that captivity. You've suffered long enough. You've cried enough tears. This is the morning of your deliverance in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. Say this out loud. There's nothing the devil's done to me that God can't do something about it today. Now lift your hands and just begin to thank God in advance. You're not going down, you're going up. Your best days aren't behind you, they're ahead of you. You hear some religious people say, well, if you got, I heard a guy on Christian radio one time say, well, if you got yourself into the mess don't expect God to get you out. Well, then you get to go to hell first. Because God didn't sin for us. Everybody did their own sinning. But God is a God of mercy. And in mercy, he sent Christ to help us, even though we got ourselves into the mess. Yeah, Floyd's lung wasn't destroyed because he had parents who smoked. He smoked. He drank. He lived in sin, but when he called out to God, look at the thief on the cross. He's not getting crucified because he stole Snickers bars from a 7-Eleven. He was a capital offense felon. The one thief on the one side says, if you are the son of God, takes a mocking posture. Basically, those two thieves are like, anybody falls into one of those two groups. You got the one, that healing stuff's true. The lady, lady cut my hair one time. And when she asked me what I did, and then she got mad. You know, I'm not a, now when people ask me what I do, I'm just going to tell them I'm an assassin. <laughs> I'd probably get like a warmer reception. Oh, you're, you're a preacher. Oh, that healing stuff's true. Why don't you go to the children's hospital and just clear the hospital out? I said to her, you look like an intelligent woman. In other words, you're not, but you look like one. I said, if I went to a children's hospital and started going door to door and laying hands on kids, how many rooms do you think I could get to before the police threw me out? Stupid. I hate that spirit. Unbelief. It's a wicked spirit. That's not, Jesus didn't do that either. Jesus didn't run around healing everybody. The Bible says in Mark chapter 6, and Jesus could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. You know why? Because they had a mocking, unbelieving tongue. Isn't this the son of Joseph and the son of Mary? Bob, didn't he work as a carpenter with you two years ago? He's building bookcases, and now all of a sudden he's the Messiah. And they, Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. And it doesn't say he wouldn't do any miracles to punish them. It said he could not do any mighty miracles because of their unbelief. 
There is an atmosphere. It's a, it's a lost cause. I'll just end up with white fuzzies on my face. But thank you. What a kind lady. So you understand that there's an atmosphere that God's presence flows in. One of the things I picked up on the last 18 months after COVID is people obviously don't understand there's an atmosphere. When I say people, I mean preachers. There's an atmosphere for miracles and there's an atmosphere for faith. You can't get up for the first eight minutes of a church service and talk about masks and social distancing and don't touch anybody. And during this time, obviously, we won't be serving communion. What do you mean, obviously, we won't be serving communion? COVID's more powerful than the blood of Jesus? If it is, then I'm going to go to Wuhan and receive that as my Lord and Savior. Because I'll have found something more powerful than Jesus. You talk about a dumb bunch. And I said it last night. Why'd you quit serving communion in March? COVID got it, came out in September 2019. So you, you quit serving it when you found out about it on TV. You were still serving it in January and February when it was alive and well in the United States. I wonder how different people's ministries would be if they just shut their TV off, read the word and prayed, and did what the Lord told them to do. We're waiting to hear from God about when to open our church back up again. The Lord never told you to close it. So you never heard his voice in the first place. Then every newspaper, you know, they're trying to pressure your governor into falling in line with lockstep with the rest of the European governments. So they're, they're pulling all those stories about how six people from the same church all got COVID and died. Well, that tells you something that matters who your pastor is. Because up the street, there's a church with about 4,000 people. The pastor's Rodney Howard Brown. They haven't had anybody go to the hospital. Everybody's healed and healthy. There's an atmosphere for unbelief where the devil thrives, but there is also an atmosphere of faith where the Holy Ghost moves, and that's the atmosphere you're in today. Can you say amen? amen. Say it out loud. Jesus is a mighty God. Jesus is a mighty God. I'm willing. Everybody say, I'm willing. Be healed. And instantly. How long? Instantly. If you weren't here last night, I just came back from a place called Hobbs, New Mexico, right over the Texas border. And we, I was supposed to be there a week. The meeting went three weeks because it was, it was a true revival. We had just under 200 first-time visitors come to the church and receive Jesus Christ, which was about two-thirds of all the visitors who came. And uh, it's only a town of 48,000 with no other towns around it. So it had an impact on the town. By, the, by, midway, by midway through week three, we had received four reports of people that had cancer cleared out of their body. One was leukemia, one was a tumor, and the other person had many tumors. And I'm, talking, I'm not talking we believed they were healed. I'm talking they went to the doctor and they couldn't find their tumor. The other lady, they couldn't find their tumors. And the other one said no trace of, of whatever the letters and code is for leukemia. Can you say Amen. So Jesus, this is not theory. This works. If you preach the word to people, the word in itself carries the power to build faith, and then faith pulls on God's power. What did Jesus say to the woman with the issue of blood? Daughter, be encouraged. Your? Say it out loud. Faith. Your faith has made you whole. So even our friends in other denominations, and I'm not saying that to be like sarcastic. I like Baptist people. You might have had more Baptist people keep their church open than full gospel people. And then it's, the interesting thing was, a lot of the Baptist churches that kept the, their church open, you'd hear the pastor say stuff like, you know, we're going to keep our church open, and I just believe God will protect our people. 
I felt like saying, no, actually, you don't believe that, but now you do. Amen. So, so if you get on the right track, it, it'll line your doctrine up right. Can you say amen? amen. Say, I believe God's going to keep our people healthy. Well, actually, you believe that passed away with the last apostle, but now you change your mind, and that's good. Amen. amen. Who actually has faith for healing? A pastor who is in a denomination that on paper they don't believe in healing, but they kept their church open and believe for God to keep the people healthy? Or a pastor that's in a denomination that on paper it says they believe healing's in the atonement, but they shut down for 13 months. It doesn't matter what you have on your paper, brother. It matters what you do. Faith is an action. Can you say amen? amen. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anybody about this. Instantly the leprosy disappeared. Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you've been cleansed. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Master, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Everybody say paralyzed. paralyzed. Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to come for you to come to my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority uh, of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go, or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Everybody say faith. faith. So I was going to say our friends in other denominations teach that there's not healing anymore because the Holy Spirit, after the church was founded and the word of God was established, the Holy Spirit left the earth. But I want you to notice, both with this man and then with the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Well, he didn't say the Holy Ghost made you whole. He didn't say the Holy Spirit made you whole. He said your faith has made you whole. So even if the Holy Spirit was taken from the earth, which he hasn't been, but even if he was, the Bible says that faith carries within itself the capacity to draw on God's power for your physical body. Romans chapter 4, verses 16 through 20. Abraham believed those things which were spoken unto him, and God counted it as righteousness unto him because of his faith. And the Bible says in the Amplified Version, and his body grew strong and was empowered by faith. Has faith left the earth? I hope not or we're all going to hell because it's by grace you've been saved through faith. So I want you to see, I don't know what these people smoke when they go to seminary. But Christ, God healed in the Old Testament. Christ healed in the Gospels. The Holy Ghost, the third person of the Godhead healed in the book of Acts. And it's alluded to all through the epistles. God hasn't changed. Whatever you're going through, God's not up in heaven saying, tough it out and one day you'll get to heaven. His power is available now for anybody that has faith to reach out and grab it. Amen. Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home. Because you've believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. When Jesus arrived at Peter's home, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Leprosy, paralysis, fever. And when she got up, she prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people 
were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a single command, and he healed how many of the sick? Has he changed? Healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said he took. He did what to him? If he took them, how do you have them? If you're used to saying, I have arthritis, just change it to he took arthritis. He took it. He stole it out of my body. And if he took it, I don't have to take it. How many of your sicknesses did he take? He himself took our infirmities and bore in his body on the cross. How long was crucifixion supposed to take to die? Three to four days. How long did it take Christ to die? Handful of hours. Because when he hung on the cross, he took all of our infirmities and all our disease. He took COPD. He took lung cancer. He took those people in New Mexico's leukemia. Well, how come they had it? Because the devil works through deception. You take the average Christian, because people read AARP more than they read the Bible, and every, every third commercial that's on TV is talking to you about sickness. Are you a man over 50? None of your business. Are you using the bathroom more than you used to? What are you, some kind of pervert? Mind your own bit. Put the program back on. I'm trying to watch the Yankees. Amen. And it's all get, America consumes 80% of the world's pharmaceuticals. There's a lot of money to be made off of you being a sick victim. Off of you thinking your eyes start to go when you turn 50. Your ears start to go when you turn 55. That floor gets further away every year. You start talking sickness, and sickness is magnetized to you. But the Bible tells you not only will God heal you, God will keep sickness and disease out of your midst. Exodus 15, 22 to 26. Exodus 23, 25. He removes sickness. None of these diseases shall come upon you. He, won't, he didn't say he'll heal you when you get sick. He'll heal you, and then he'll drive sickness and disease out of your midst. Can you say amen? amen. I just read you 17 verses of Jesus' ministry. Just went everywhere, clearing out sickness and disease. Did that change after he left? No. They would line the sick on the streets that perchance Peter's shadow might fall across. So everybody said, God's a healer. And then it say this, God will keep me healthy. But then what about old age? Are there any scriptures about that? Yep. Psalm 92. Even in old age, they will remain vital and green and shall produce fruit. Then the Bible says, Caleb, who had faith. Uh, God said they have a different spirit, Joshua and Caleb. Caleb's in Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. And he says this, today, uh, 14, 8, uh, 6 through 11. Today I am 85 years old, and I'm as strong now as I was when I was 40. Listen to that. I'm standing on that scripture. I mentioned last night I go to the gym every day. You can't tell by looking at me. No one has ever worked harder to have a below average body than me. But I'm actually not working out so I can go to the beach or be hot. I'm, I'm actually preparing now at 40 so that if Jesus tarries, I can preach a full schedule, no problem, at 75. I'm not making plans to get tired and sick. I'm making plans to be at my strongest when I'm 75 years old, 80 years old, because that's part of our covenant inheritance. Today I am 85 years old, 
and I'm, I'm as strong now as I was when I was 40. And, and then the next verse, and I can still travel and I can still fight. They didn't fight with guns. They fought hand-to-hand combat. Imagine getting beat up by an 85-year-old man. It'd be embarrassing. Hey, Bill, how old was that guy that you got in that fight with today? I don't know. I think he might have been like 60. No, we looked it up on Wikipedia. He's 85. Everybody say, I can still travel. I can still fight. I would say that's the most harmful thing on television. If I was going to be a preacher that preached against television, which I'm getting pretty close to being one, it's not the dirty, you know, obviously you shouldn't watch dirty movies and all that. But you even having every third commercial getting you thinking about death. I'm trying to watch, you know, I'm trying to watch a baseball game. What plans have you made for your loved ones after you pass? Hey, I'm 40. (laughs) Who are you? Put baseball back on. I couldn't. I, I left my television off from April of last year until the mask mandate and stuff li- lifted in, in, in May and June. I wa- started watching baseball again and some hockey because my wife has a gambling problem. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Sometimes I just like to see who's paying attention. Her bookie kept calling, and I wanted to make sure she was covering the spread. No, I... I couldn't, I couldn't keep television on because the commercials had fear. Everything was about washing your hands. I feel like saying, listen, I've been washing my hands. I don't wait till there's a pandemic to start washing my hands. <laughs> then in June, huh, good thing this COVID thing's over. I don't have to wash my hands anymore. <laughs> Got like things growing on them. Wash your hands. COVID will affect everyone. No, it's not affecting me. I said it's not affecting me. The angels of the Lord encamp round about those who serve him. Turn to Psalm 91. Those who live, Psalm 91.1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High. Everybody say, that's me. So the Bible tells you there's a difference between human beings. I mean, no, we're all God's children. No, we're not. I don't say that happy. I'm an evangelist trying to make it so that is true. But Jesus, who I consider an expert in Christianity, looked at a whole group of people and said, ye are of your father, the devil. When you're born, you're not born redeemed. You're born in sin. And you need redemption. See, that's, that, you turn on Christian TV. Like, I mean, no, you know, everything you need to succeed is already inside of you. No, actually, it's not. If you're not born again, you might have things on the inside of you that will keep you from success. There's demon-possessed people. Go tell everybody. Well, if everything we need to succeed is already on the inside of us, what a waste of time it was for Jesus to leave heaven and die on a cross. People need to be redeemed. And until they're redeemed, they're not a child of God. They're a child of the devil. They belong to the devil's kingdom. The Bible specifically says when you get saved, you are transferred out of Satan's kingdom, out of the kingdom of darkness, and into the kingdom of his dear son. Say this out loud. I live on this earth 
but I'm not of this earth. I have a covenant with God. Now lift your hands and just think them out of your mouth for about 20 seconds. I'm not, I look like everybody else, but I'm not like everybody else. I have a covenant with God. I have a lock, stock, and barrel, airtight covenant with God. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High. Ever say, that's me. We'll find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. My place of what? Safety. I'm safe. I was safe in 2019. I tried to die last year. I did everything you weren't supposed to do. I kept a full preaching schedule. And I got up in the churches that had every other row lopped off. Told you not to sit by anybody. And I'd preach and walk down the aisle. And with my hip, I'd break the tape. <laughs> I'm not putting up with that crap. I'll tell you one thing. My, my, my uh, father would preach on Bible prophecy once a week. I was in his meetings growing up. What moron didn't know this stuff was coming if you're a preacher? Jesus said one of the signs before I return, not as there'll be a plague, there'll be plagues. Yeah. Plural. Plague's, plague is old English for incurable sickness and disease. So why was anybody caught off guard? I was actually surprised it took this long. What did Jesus say a minister was supposed to do in the meantime? Wait till it all goes away? No. You're to advance with the gospel, lay your hands on the sick and see them recover. That leper that came to Jesus... Was a leper allowed to be in the general population? How many morons did you hear last year? How would Jesus have ministered? You know, during this time of COVID, I was just thinking, how would Christ have ministered if there was an extremely contagious, deadly disease going on? You ever hear a leprosy champ? That disease was so fear to ate at your skin, finger and nose fall off. That disease was so feared that if you got leprosy, you were taken from your family to go live in the leper colony. And according to the law, if you ever came within the general population, you, you weren't fined $1,000. You were to be stoned until dead. And a leper came beseeching Jesus. And he was obviously in touch range because if you read verse 3, he touched him. So when he came, what did Jesus say? A leper, how does the verse read? And a leper came beseeching Jesus and said, I know if you want to, you can heal me and make me clean. And Jesus said, call the police and tase the man and put him in plastic restraints and stoned him to death. Did Jesus have Peter running temperature checks on people on the way into the meeting? I ticked the lady off. I was preaching at a church in Hawaii. I'm the preacher. I go to walk into the church. There's a lady sitting there. She pulls out a gun and puts it to my forehead. And out of reaction, she was like an old church lady, I knocked it out of her hand, like hard. Because if you put a gun to my head, I don't assume it's a temperature gun. It's like, is that old lady from the Crips? <laughs> They're holding people up on the way into church. Boy, Hawaii's changed since I was here last year. So the gun goes flying out of her hand. She holds her wrist. 
She goes, what are you doing? I was angry. Oh, what are you doing? Pulling guns on people. I didn't agree to a medical screening. She said, well, I was told to take everyone's temperature. I said, I'm the preacher. What would you do if it turned red? I'm preaching. preached one time and vomited while I was preaching. I ran back in the doors. Now, that looks like a closet. But I ran back in the doors. I felt it coming. I said, everybody lift your hands and just pray in tongues. Ran back there. Luckily, it wasn't a closet. There was a kitchen sink. I threw up with the mic here. Then from back there, went, keep praying. He's a good God. The presence of the Lord's coming. Finished, came back out. I'm not preaching. My dad hasn't canceled one meeting for sickness and disease in 45 years. When he started out, he made $4,400 his first year in full-time ministry. We couldn't afford health insurance. We couldn't afford a trip to the clinic. We couldn't afford the $37 for the clinic for poor people that don't have insurance. So what did he do? Did I never get sick? Did my sister never get sick? We got sick. He did what the Bible said. Put oil on our heads. I got oil put on my head so much, I had A-O-I-A, anointing oil-induced acne. Just big breakout right in the center in the shape of a cross. I remember clearly putting oil on my head, putting his hands on either side. You guys are laughing. I'm pouring my heart out here. This is the worst group therapy session I've ever been to. Starts praying. Father... You said in your word, if we serve you, everybody say, if I serve him, I will take sickness and disease out of your midst. The numbers of your days you shall fulfill. I'm taking you at your word. Heal my boy. He'd get done praying. I was still fevered. He'd say, go up and, take, and go to sleep. And when you wake up, you'll be better. And every single time, I woke up in 90 minutes, two hours, in a cold sweat. The Holy Ghost had broken that fever out of my body. He kept my dad safe on the road. He kept my dad healed. My dad's in his 60s, still preaching. He's kept me healthy, and he'll keep you healthy because you have a covenant with God sealed by the blood of Jesus. Sickness does not have a right to your home. Cancer does not have a right to your home. If you believe it, shout amen like thunder. This I declare of the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He's my God and I trust him. Everybody say I trust him. For he'll rescue you from every trap how many traps will he rescue you from? What about the, yeah, but I know he'll do, but then what about the Delta variant? Everybody say every trap. Now they have Delta Plus, which is like regular Delta, but you have to pay $9.95 a month and there's no commercials. You get early access to the virus. And now they're onto the Lambda. So I thought it said Lombada. I was like, this filthy Spanish dancing virus. Everybody say plagues. What do you think? CNN's going to turn on one day and they're just going to give you the all clear? Everything's over. All viruses are dead. No. There's a lot of money to be made. I mean, just the testing last year was like $20 billion. Love of money is the root of all evil. 
keep people in fear. Is the virus real? I know someone who died of COVID. I know three people who died, so I got you beat by two, so congratulations. Were we keeping a sticker chart for who knows the most people who died? We had people die in our church. You'll have more people die in your church. People die every year. It's a point under every man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. We don't want our church to kill people. Your church has already killed people. I grew up in church. They used to serve ham salad sandwiches in the gymnasium. It was 85 degrees, mayonnaise and ham. Probably killed two or three ladies from the ladies' ministry. Every church used to have an old gross. You guys got clean ones. Churches used to have the grossest water fountains I've ever seen in my life. They had green moss growing on them. Those probably took out two or three people. Church isn't a place where people get sick. Church is a place where people get healed. And I'm going to tell you, the devil knew if he wanted to do what he wanted to do in America, it required the closing of churches. 97% of them closed. I'm not making up stats. 97% closed last year. Within 90 days, a first world nation had essentially turned into a third world nation. People shooting people over TVs, burning stores to the ground. The whole country was on fire because the only thing that drives out darkness is light. And if you put that light under a bushel, it's over. That's why we've made up our mind this year, and you're a part of it right now. The church is going to shine brighter than it's ever shined. The devil's going to have the worst year that he's ever had. This is not time for the devil. This is time for revival. Somebody shout hallelujah. He will protect you from... Go back one. Surely, oh, surely, I like that word. Surely he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Pestilence is sickness and disease. Perilous is severe. COVID, serious. I know. He already said he delivers from the severe ones too. God didn't say, I'll, I'll heal you from sinus infections, but then if it's serious, go get some help. Did you know Jesus traveled with a doctor? His name was Luke. Luke wasn't one of the 12 apostles, but best we know, he's one of the 72. Did you know Jesus never assigned anybody to Luke? Jesus never said, well, listen, that looks pretty serious. That's leprosy? Okay, well, listen, I'm going to go step over there. Go see Luke, and he's going to give you some cream. You rub that on your skin and come back and get it refilled on the 1st and 15th of every month. Nope. All he had Luke do was write. How he healed every manner of sickness and disease. We're not against doctors. We're for doctors. Without doctors, 90% of Christians would be dead. But Jesus is the great physician. In fact, I told this story. I'm going to let you go. But I told this story uh, in New Mexico. I was preaching in northeast Pennsylvania. And a lady brought her mother that had a diseased liver. And her mother didn't believe in this stuff, and she didn't like me. She's not, she's not the first, sadly. And I could tell she didn't like me. Her daughter invited her, but, you know, she was older and sick, so she probably just basically forced her to come. At least that's what it looked like. I didn't know any of this. So I'm preaching, and there's a lady, like in this section, two-thirds of the way back, staring me down with her... So it must have been the faith of the daughter. 
And I walked up to her and did what I felt the Lord speak to me. I said, ma'am, I can tell you don't like me. I said, but the Lord's going to help you out. I said, you don't even have to uncross your arms. And I said, you don't have to stand up. But right underneath your uncrossed arms, the Lord's going to put a new liver there and clear all the disease out of your liver. Well, that made her eyebrows go up. She looked like a Muppet, like her eyebrows went up like this because nobody ever told me about it. But the Lord knew. And her daughter brought her with faith for her to be healed. So her daughter wrote my wife and said my mother went for her checkup. And they said, where did you go get surgery? She said, I haven't had any surgery. Yeah, I think they said, why, why did you get surgery and it's not on your chart? She said, I never got surgery. They said, yes, you did. And they showed her the x-ray of her old diseased liver. And then her liver now, the diseased part, had been cut out. They said, whoever the surgeon was, it's the best cut we've ever seen. They showed her how, how thin the cut and the healed scar was. He's the great physician. I said he's the great physician. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Don't be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Don't dread the disease that stalks in darkness. Don't do what to the disease that stalks in darkness? So notice, these aren't just all like pat promises that work no matter what. You have a role to play. So you, don't, you don't allow yourself to fear disease. I, I went to a, uh, I live in Pittsburgh. I went to one of the Pirates games. I had preached 50 straight days. And I loved to go to, back then I would love to go to baseball games to chill because they're very boring. And then Pittsburgh's got an awful team. I don't even sure if they're still a major league team or not. But the stadium's real nice. It overlooks the, the city. So I got all my food, sat down, and I just wanted to, to chill. So the, the, I, I was there like 10 minutes early. So the PA announcer goes, tonight's stand-up to cancer night. He said, uh, everybody stand to your feet. Well, I didn't stand to my feet. I'm in the habit of just doing the opposite of whatever <laughs> announcements say. That's how you end up going to heaven. Just what everybody else is doing, do the opposite, you end up in heaven. Everybody stand to your feet. I didn't feel like it. I wasn't like boycotting. I just, I'm, I came to sit and do nothing. So then they said, there's a sign under everybody's seat. It said, stand up to cancer. And a pen. Write the name of someone you know who's been affected by cancer. And then they had everybody hold it up. Then the PA announcer said this. Either you or someone you know will be affected by cancer in your lifetime. Then they said, hold your sign up and say, either me or someone I know will be affected by cancer in my lifetime. Well, when I heard that, I told, let me tell you something. I was worn out. So I know it wasn't my flesh that got angry because I didn't care. You could have slapped me and I'd have sorry my head was there. But when that demonic announcement, death and life are in the power of the what? I've been people make fun of faith preachers for getting people to declare I'm going to have a break. Then this guy, I sort of see how the devil works. So you would think people would have done like even when I'm saying this, some of you want to say, no one did that. Like a chorus from hell, twenty thousand people, either me or someone I know will be affected by cancer in my lifetime. I thought, who's doing the public address system, Lucifer? Get everybody to repeat that. 
How many know COVID can affect anybody? Shut up. No disease is coming near my family. I'm in covenant with God. So I'm sitting there, and it made me mad. Everybody said that. Then they had him sit back down. I stood up with everybody seated, and I yelled. And I mean yelled from my spirit. I said, not me. Everybody's head jerked around. I went, neither me nor anybody I know will receive cancer in my lifetime in Jesus' name. Nobody clapped. People just stared and went on the app to see if it was too late to change their tickets. But when I sat back down, the guy next to me was already on his second beer. It wasn't even first pitch. He had a white beard. He went like this. What'd you say? And I said, neither me. I said, I said, not me. Neither me nor anyone I know is going to have cancer in my lifetime. He went, I like your way better. Me too. And I got one drunk turned around, and I'm trying to let you know in Apopka, you live in this world, but you're not of this world. You are a child of the Most High God. You've got a covenant with God, and that covenant is in full effect. If you believe that, stand on your feet. Give Jesus the mightiest hand clap that you've ever given anybody. Oh, you sound good. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Come on, take 15 more seconds. Clap those hands. Give God a mighty shout. Hey, now I see why Jesus likes Florida so much. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. I'm not going down. I'm going up. I'm not dying. I'm going to live and not die. My back's not touching a hospital bed. My hands don't spread disease. My hands are laid on the sick, and the sick shall recover. Say it out loud. I shall live and not die and declare the goodness of God while I'm in the land of the living. I'm in my 60s now. That's not old. It's not old. Quit carrying yourself sick. Carry yourself like God's daughter. Carry yourself like the child of a king. Amen. Amen. Yeah, this word works. I've got angels ordered to protect me wherever I go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, I won't fear disease. I won't fear disease. I preached in northern Uganda at a Sudanese refugee resettlement camp. I announced after the first night, I said, you tell everybody in this camp that tomorrow night I'm going to preach to you about Jesus and I'm going to lay hands on everybody that's sick. So we get back with the other ministers. Keep standing because they'll remind me to shut up. <laughs> we get back with the other ministers and they go, do you realize what you told everybody? I said, I, I said, what? They said, you said you're going to lay hands on everybody tomorrow night. We're expecting there's going to be 8,000 people. Okay, good. I can't, I, that's, my, that's what I want. More people's better. And I wasn't in a hurry to get back to my half-star hotel room. There was a spider in my hotel. It was so big when I came back from preaching, it was smoking a cigarette. How was the service, Reverend? 
I wanted that. I was going to have two nights with those people. Probably never see them again. I'm going to give them everything I have. So they, they go, yeah, but it's not just that. You said you're going to lay hands on everybody. This is before COVID. So this fear of disease, if you have it, you'll always have it. You said you're going to lay hands on it. I said, yeah, I know. Some of those, many of those people have AIDS and they have open sores. You need, and then the, guy, the older guy goes, you need to be careful. No, I said, no, the AIDS needs to be careful. Because what Jesus gave us doesn't get overwhelmed by disease. What he gave us overwhelms sickness and disease. The story did not end with me dying of AIDS. I'm not a ghost. They shall lay their hands on the sick. We just ask you at this time not to shake hands. We won't be serving communion for obvious reasons. What's the obvious reason? That you're brain dead? The blood of Jesus is greater than the power of sickness and disease. And I've been taking at least one day about everywhere I go to preach on healing because COVID won't be the last thing. Like they're doing the variants now. You start reading the Bible, and Psalm 91 got you ready for it. Though a thousand fall at your one side, and 10,000 are dying all around you, these evils shall not touch you. Moses told the children of Israel, kill a lamb without spot or wrinkle. Kill it without breaking any of its bones. Then drain its blood into a basin. Take hyssop branches and dip it into the basin and apply the blood to the doorposts of your home. And when the angel of death goes door to door, when he sees the blood, he will pass over you. You read a Catholic theology book, Baptist theology book, Presbyterian theology book, it won't make any difference. They'll all tell you that lamb without spot or wrinkle was a representation of who? And the blood of that lamb was a representation of the blood of who? If the blood that represented the blood of Christ had the power to ward off actual death, how much more does the actual blood of Jesus have power to drive out death? Lift your hands all over this room. Anything that's of death, anything that's of slow death, the setting in of a sickness or disease that will kill you, I curse it in the name of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus is arrayed against that thing now. You're not going home to be sick. You're going home to be well. In the name of Jesus Christ, you're God's property. You are not the property of sickness and disease. Your lungs don't belong to the devil. Your heart doesn't belong to the devil. Your kidneys and pancreas don't belong to the devil. Amen. Let, me pray, let me pray for a couple people. I'm going to pray for everybody tonight. This lady in the back row with a nice denim button-up shirt. Yep, just step right out into the aisle. Power of God's all over you. Put one hand on your belly. Lift the other hand up to the Lord. I'm going to tell you two things. Number one, the Lord's going to strengthen your body and give you a healing from the inside out. Number two, whoever in your family that isn't here today, that needs a touch from God, the next time you're with them, the Lord's going to open the door 
for his words and his life to flow through you and bring them healing. You believe that with me? Just close both eyes. I won't sneak up on you. In Jesus' name, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, I loose that strengthening for your body and an overflow of it to strengthen your family member's body. In Jesus' mighty name. You know, they say on Baptist Radio, we push the people down. You can see that we do that. Uh, one more lady. Uh, this lady here in the jacket, it's like purple color, white shirt. Yep, just step right out into the aisle. Nice to meet you. Sorry, I didn't know the name of the jacket. I'm not an executive for the Bravo Network. Put one hand on your heart. And put the other hand where your heart and lungs are. Lord's going to give you two brand new lungs and a brand new heart. You'll never have COPD. You'll never have any kind of breathing problems. There it is. Did it right now. In Jesus' name. So there's your lungs. And then it gives you a strong heart. So all your blood levels will go to normal. Your feet won't hurt. All the blood's going to flow properly like it should. I know there's a lot of people that are here that are called in the ministry or in the ministry. The Bible says that God watches over his word to perform it. You don't have to go in a bathroom and shake your head and hope people get healed. Just keep, how many scriptures did I lay out today on healing? Just keep laying it out, laying it out, and the Holy Ghost comes back and confirms it, proves the word. Amen. This lady in the uh, blue, I think it's a dress, second, second row. Yep, just come right out. Nice to meet you. Lift both hands right there. Put one hand on your lower belly. Lift the other hand up to the Lord. Underneath your hand flows the power of God. God strengthens you from the inside out. In Jesus' name. You're going to have the healthiest year you've ever had. Uh, I think I prayed. Did I pray for you with the glasses on top of your head last night? I'm going to pray for you again. God's not a communist. So you can get prayed for more than once. The lady with the black uh, thing on your hair, you mind if I pray for you? Just stand shoulder to shoulder right there in the aisle. You don't have to come any closer. Both of you lift both hands to the Lord. I'm not necessarily saying this for these two ladies, but I just, you know, I've been, I know I look young. But I've been doing this for 20 years. Some years I preached 300 plus times in a year. I used to do two services a day. I would teach it in the daytime and then I'd preach at night. So you, you learn a few things. Some people battle sickness and disease because they've made a room for it because they think, you know, I'm an American. I don't hold a degree in sociology, but I did grow up here. Americans think, including Christian Americans, including full gospel Americans, they think that getting old means getting weak. And it's not in the Bible. Was Abraham a weak old man or a strong old man? 
Sure was. Caleb was. Joshua was. Strength in old age is actually part of your inheritance in the covenant. Some people aren't sick, but they're not strong. You know, and, and when your body hurts, you, don't, you, you subconsciously just end up not wanting to do anything. And I'll tell you another thing I've seen traveling. If you notice in the Bible, Satan never fought people when they planted their seed. He fought them when they went to go reap, reap their harvest. So there's good Christian people that work hard all their life and save up. And then when they go to retire at 60 and they're supposed to go on cruises with their wife or, or, or whatever they like to do, go ride motorcycles through South Dakota, whatever you want to do. One of them gets sick and they can't do anything. That's the devil. That right at the time you worked your whole life and you're supposed to enjoy life, then it just turns into you taking Hank to his appointments. That's the devil. Lift your hands all over this place. You're going to enjoy every age and every stage of life in Jesus' name. I'm not going to leave those two ladies in the aisle, but, let me, but before I get to you, let me pray for two more ladies. This lady with her nice red top on and this lady in the pink dress. Both of you step out into the aisle, stand shoulder to shoulder. Power of God's all over you. Nice to meet you. Lift both hands to the Lord. Right into you flows like a river, the power of God. The Lord heals you. What are you guys doing? No, no, these two. Try not to t tackle them if you want. The lady in the room, put, put your hands on your belly there. In Jesus' name, underneath your hand flows the power of God. That's it. In Jesus' mighty name, the Lord takes out everything that isn't supposed to be there and puts everything that is supposed to be. Put one hand across your heart and lungs. Lift the other one up to the Lord. Lord gives you a brand new clean bloodstream. Keep the one hand where the heart and lungs are. Put the other one down on your, on your lower belly. Any fibroid tumors that caused you pain when you turn or shift, shift, the Lord takes two out right now, which that's it. And then all your blood's clean, which will make sure your, your liver doesn't bless you. You're going to have a great year, so congratulations. Lift your hands all the way up. I, I, I remember what I prayed for last night. I was going to give you a bonus thing. Lord supernaturally recalcifies your bones. Yes. In Jesus' mighty name. Whatever health thing that you just came through, that you made it through, but it took a toll on you, you're already healed, but the Lord restores your body gives you all your strength back in Jesus name thanks for coming God bless you you mind if I pray for you in the nice top there with the glasses put both your hands on your sides Lord gives you two brand new kidneys and a brand new pancreas in Jesus name right underneath your hands new kidney, new kidney, new pancreas 
in my spirit, I feel like you've been trying to eat good. And it's like, no matter what you eat, you can't, you can't get the levels to where the doctor wants them. And now you'll be able to actually eat food you enjoy and the levels will stay normal. It'll be like you're a little kid. And little kids just eat anything. And that'll make life enjoyable. So from the Lord, I'll tell it to you like this. You won't have to endure life. You'll enjoy life. I'll give you a bonus. All, everybody that's tied to your family, the grandchildren, nieces and nephews, your prayers for them are all answered today. They're all going to serve the Lord. Sorry to keep just praying for black people. I'll pray for white people too. I don't want anybody to think I'm a racist. We love everybody. Amen. You're a good lady. The Lord loves you. Amen. Let me take one more lap around. We're coming back at six, so I'll let you go. Then tonight we'll just finish where we we left off, and I'll, I'll lay hands on everybody. Jesus loves you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Lift both your hands to the Lord. Instead of praying for like 11 different things, the Lord will give you an overhaul through your eyes, knees, feet. Sometimes people say thank you to me. Don't thank me. I wouldn't have taken one straight for any one of you. Maybe my wife and daughter, and that's it. Even my mom, because I feel like that's my dad's responsibility. But Jesus took it for everybody. Lift both your hands. The Lord loves you. Put one hand on your belly. Some people might think you already have too much joy, but the Lord's going to give you even more. And full of glory. I pray for you in, in the red. Come right out. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Your blood pressure is going to go to normal. Your vision is going to go perfect. No pressure build up on the eye. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Tell you, if that lady gets any happier, she's going to need a different kind of white jacket. (laughs) Hallelujah. This lady that attended to my my wife and I, the blue, take two steps forward. Lift both hands, close both eyes. 
As you do, the fire of God comes upon you. This is nice. I feel like I'm ministering to the music they play in the waiting room at the spa. <laughs> Can I get you any tea? Lift both hands all the way up. Close both eyes. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. That's it. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Right here. One hand on your belly, one hand on your heart. Lord strengthens. I don't mean your spiritual heart. The Lord strengthens all uh, five ventricles in your heart, then your lower organs. You won't have any problems with digestion. If you want to eat closer to bedtime, you'll be able to without it causing you problems. Amen. See, God doesn't want your life to be like Russian roulette or like, I don't know what I eat, but there must be, there's certain things I eat and I do it. Mess, yeah, that is all. That ends. Like I told your, your friend there, be like how kids are. You never thought what about what you were eating when you were seven or how much sugar was in it or any of that kind of stuff. Just devoured it. You guys been dating? Let's <laughs> see your hand. Put your other hand where your heart is. Neither of you are going to spend time taking care of the other one. You're going to enjoy these years. Lord gives you a brand new heart, sir, and extends your life today. In Jesus' name. So enjoy yourself. A brand new heart. Extend your life. No dying. I'll fly down here and yank you out of that casket. <laughs> you better come back to life, otherwise it's a felony. Amen. Amen. Mind if I pray for you? Stick one step forward, lift both hands. Jesus loves you. The Lord's going to give you the most joyous four and a half months you've ever had. In every area of life. Like you won't even have anything to pray about. All the stuff you pray about, Lord will answer it all quickly right now. And your prayer time will just be spent thanking God for a new beginning and a fresh start. Let me tell you one more thing. Can you still hear me down there? Somebody, somebody, somebody uh, left you high and dry. And then even what they were legally supposed to do to help you out, they never did what they were supposed to. The Lord's going to release all held up monies to you. And that'll help the second half of the year be more, more enjoyable. Amen? That's cheaper than getting a lawyer. Just come, come hear me preach. I just said a little. Amen? Amen. might be everybody. Bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here this morning, well, now this afternoon, if you're here this afternoon and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you must do that today. You can't go to hell. Hell's a real place. It's a place of torment. I've basically given my life to do my best to make sure nobody goes there. Don't go to hell. Everything doesn't work out in the end. It's not God knows your heart. There has to be a time in your life where you've made a public decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. 
And if you've never done that, and I want you to ask yourself, you're not going to get to heaven and God's going to check if you're Catholic or Protestant. There has to be a time in your life where you made a public decision to repent of sin and make Jesus Christ your Lord. Then secondly, after you receive Christ, you have to live on fire for God. On a scale of 1 to 10, are you living on fire for God? Or if you were honest, would you say, no, the pressure of life got turned up or I just fell away. And I'm not living on fire for God. I'm living what the Bible calls lukewarm. What's lukewarm? You're not saying, I don't believe in God. Obviously, you'd have left like an hour ago if you didn't believe in any of this. Probably wouldn't have come in the first place. But there's many people who are what the Bible calls lukewarm. They have some passion for God, but they have enough of the coldness and deadness of the world. Like Pastor so eloquently talked about during the offering with Samson. You know, he was anointed. Then he goes and gets involved with Delilah, the world, and it's bad. Jonah, a prophet so anointed that he could turn a whole city-state to the Lord in 40 days, and he's on a boat heading in the wrong direction out of the will of God. He's so cursed that the heathen people on the boat say, Brother, you have a problem. You have to, you have to live in the will of God. And if you're here and you, you're not doing that, living with somebody you're not married to, uh, drink and get drunk. I know you, you can find a hundred churches around here that will have no problem with it. But the Bible has not changed. No drunkard will inherit the kingdom of God. No sexually immoral person. No adulterer. you got to get rid of sin or sin will get rid of you. Sin gives an open door for the devil to come in and do whatever he wants. So get rid of sin. Don't let it get rid of you. If you're here and you fall into either of those two groups and you say, Jonathan, that's me. I've never given my life to Jesus Christ, but I want to do that today. Or, I once did, but I fell away. But I'm coming back home today. I want you to quickly put your hand up high and wave it at me, and we're going to pray. won't hold you long. We're going to pray. I see your hand. Who else? Keep it up where I can see it. I see your hand. Who else? In Jesus' name. Very quickly, my two new friends, come and join me at the altar. As quickly as you can, we're going to pray. I'll turn you right back to your seat. Come right now. Come right up. God bless you. I'll wait for you. I know you got to get out. Praise God. I know you're serious. You had to break like five tackles to get, get to the altar. Both of you lift both hands to the Lord. Say this from your heart. Heavenly Father, I repent of sin. Thank you for forgiving me. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your hands lifted. I bless you in the name of Jesus. The same way God gave you grace and boldness to come out of your seat and come to the altar, that grace and boldness will grow from today to live a holy life in a world that celebrates wickedness. In Jesus' name. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you that both of these will be standing with me when we make heaven our home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Your sins are all forgiven. Your name's written in heaven. Bless you.
We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.